We're going to go through a, a shorter Bible study today, uh, hopefully. And uh, so we're, we're just going right through. We're still in Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. We've been studying the tabernacle and uh, pop quiz. What's the tabernacle all about? Jesus. Good job, guys. Well taught, church. That's right there. 50 Jesus points for you. There you go. Okay. Um, also, I have one other announcement before we get into this, uh, our study. Uh, we've been talking a lot with the Southern Baptist uh, Convention. We've made some friends in that. Um, and so we've, uh, the board and I have been talking, and we may actually um, come under that umbrella of, of joining with the Southern Baptist Convention, but I wanted to give everyone uh, a chance to just be able to talk to me about it. So if you have any questions about that or any uh, wondering what that's all about, basically it won't change anything for us except that we would have more relationships that we can uh, um, pour into them and they can pour into us. And I've already been going to a lot of meetings with different pastors and stuff. So um, anything that you guys have, you can come and speak to me personally, write me an email, write me a call. Um, but that is a direction that I think we've been going for a little while. Um, and if this is the first time you've heard about it, that's fine. So uh, we're not, it's not like urgent for you to, to like rush the stage or anything, but come and, and talk to me if, if you have any concerns or questions about what that means. Basically, the Southern Baptist Convention has a very uh, nice umbrella that, that we fit in theologically. Um, it's bigger than like ours, like, so it's, we're like more narrow, but that's okay. We can have a big family, and we don't have to agree with everything, but uh, we agree with everything that they say, which is pretty cool. Um, so that was a little announcement. Um, talk to me if you have any questions about that. Okay. Father, please teach us through your word today. Amen. The devil does everything he can to try to convince me not to enter God's presence. Okay? And you too. Uh, This morning, I was thinking, man, uh, I could have prayed more. Do you guys ever think that? Man, I could have gone into God's presence, but I didn't. Why didn't we? Why didn't we? Because the devil is super good at convincing us to not come into God's presence. He's going to try to distract you by all kinds of stuff, the kids, the job, the sickness, the life, just life, whatever. He'll he'll try to distract you with your thoughts. He'll he'll try to destroy you. You know, you're out driving in some careless, you know, that the devil's trying to destroy you. (laughs) He'll try to discourage you. He'll try to discourage you. He'll try to he'll put thoughts in your mind like, or in my mind, like you're not really welcome in God's holy presence. You're, you're not holy enough. You're not worthy. Or how about this one? Your sins need to be dealt with before you come and talk to God, before you deal with him. You're not acceptable in God's presence. This place is for special people only, like pastors or missionaries. Only the really talented or gifted people belong in this most inner sanctuary, in this most inner holy place. But what we're going to learn today is that the mercy seat, the mercy seat is going to give you the confidence you need to meet with God in a real and consistent way and to get the grace that you need to serve God in your life. Trust me, what you need is to meet with God. 
Because in his presence, in meeting with him, in fellowship with him, he pours out his loving resources into your life. So that's what we're going to learn about. We've been learning about the, the tabernacle, which right now in our, in our story, Moses has been called up into the top of the mountain. It's all on fire, and God is giving him the plans for this tabernacle, and this tabernacle is a picture of Jesus and all his person and works. But God starts, now we're in the, the real details of it, and he started with the Ark of the Covenant, which is the most inner holy place. And that Ark spoke of Jesus himself, not his works. All the other things are his works. This Ark was just Jesus himself. And it's, it, we saw it was made out of gold and wood, meaning he's God and man. We saw that it was filled with the law. It was filled with the golden pot of manna. It was filled with the rod that had budded. And all those things speak about Jesus, his law fulfillment, his provision and grace, and his resurrection ability. We saw all that last week. If you missed it, figure it out. <laughs> Go on the website, right? Or the app. All right. So today we're, we're just going to look at the next like five verses, which are about the, uh, the lid to that Ark of the Covenant. And the lid of that Ark is called the Mercy Seat. But we're going to give it a new name today that I hope that you'll remember. You'll, you'll use mercy seat. You need to know that term because that's what we say in English, but I'm going to give you a new name for it that hopefully will help you understand the full meaning of the mercy seat. So it starts in verse 17 of chapter 25. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length, a cubit and a half its width, and you shall make two cherubim, those are angels of gold, of hammered work you shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end and the other cherub at the other end, and you shall make the cherubim at the two ends of it of one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and they shall face one another the faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat, and you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and the ark shall be put in, uh, and in the ark, you shall put the testimony that I will give you. In verse 22, and there I will meet with you at this mercy seat, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony, about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. So the mercy seat uh, with these angels, this represents, or it's a picture for the people, of the throne of God, where he sits and where he dwells. Angels surround God in heaven, so obviously there would be angels on this mercy seat. They, they're constantly praising him and singing his worship, uh, but here their faces look down upon the mercy seat. So can anybody tell me for 23 Jesus points, what was placed on this mercy seat every year? What? Blood. There you go. You're racking up those Jesus points, dude. All right. So blood was placed on. So every year that the priests would kill a lamb on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and, and that lamb's blood they would collect and they would, they would bring it into the Holy of Holies and they would place it on this mercy seat. The blood of the lamb was placed there. So where, what are these angels looking at? The blood of the lamb. That's what the attention is on. 
Even though God is sitting there and God is dwelling, the attention is on the blood. So I'm going to teach you right now a new name, a better name for the mercy seat, which would be propitiatory. <laughs> I knew this would be hard. Okay, propitiatory. Everyone say that. Wow, that was actually a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. That even has background music to it. Um, that was magical. So <laughs> that means the propitiatory is, is actually the name in Hebrew for this mercy seat. It's not mercy seat in Hebrew. It's propitiatory. And propitiatory means the place where propitiation is seen. The place where, so what is propitiation? Because nobody uses that in English anymore. You know, if you don't speak English, they still don't have any idea what it means. Nobody in here has it, unless you have really dived, dove into theology. Um, you, you, the word propitiation is just old and it's difficult. And so what does that mean? It means simply to satisfy the wrath of God. To satisfy the wrath of God. Now, what does that mean? What do you mean God has wrath? God's wrath at sin is very real. When you sin, God hates that sin. And if that sin is attached to you, then you are now God's enemy because he hates everything that's evil. This is, it's hard for us to think this way, but if you could just imagine Hitler, if you're walking down the street, street and, and you see Hitler, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to be like, I think I'm going to beat you up, right? Because you did some bad things. Or let's, uh, let's imagine Hitler died, and, and he goes up and, and standing before God's judgment, and, and God says, ah, boys will be boys. Come on into heaven. Yeah, what would, what would we think about God if he, if he did that? We would think God was unjust. That's not fair. That's not right because sin needs to be punished. And it's easy to see it with that example, but what about us? Our sin needs to be punished. And that's what's wrong with us is that we, we think that God is still mad at us about our sin. Anybody feel that way? That is not true because of propitiation. God is not angry with you about your sin. He's not. Once you're a believer, who tells you that? Does God tell you he's angry with you? The devil, the enemy tells you that you are not worthy, that God is angry with you about your sin. Well, what is propitiation? How... Propitiation is that God took all of his wrath, all of his righteous anger against sin, and he put Jesus here, and he beat him until he felt okay, until his wrath was spent, until he truly poured out every bit of anger against every sin that has ever been committed. If your child gets wrongly beat up at school, as a dad, you're going to have some major like feelings and emotion about that. Your child comes home with black eyes and a broken arm, and you're like, what happened to you? You're going to be really upset. And if it were up to you, and we lived in the Old West, and you're like, I'm going to go execute some judgment on some fools here, right? When are you going to stop 
be, when you do the exact same thing that your son went through? No, you're going to go above and beyond till your, your wrath has been satisfied. You're going to beat them twice as much as they, that's the emotion that's in there, okay? So God poured out this wrath on Jesus, and that's what propitiation means. And it's very important that every single one of us understand that God will never be mad at you for your sin. He can't because he already got mad at Jesus for you. His wrath has already been spent on Jesus, and so you get nothing except acceptance. Amen? So we can just pack up and go home. Because that's really, but we're not. We have a lot more to talk about. But I'll go quick. But that, that's so big. The enemy hates, he's probably, the enemy's probably trying to kill me right now. He's got swords and he's probably, because he does not want you to hear that God's grace is sufficient and his wrath was poured out on Jesus so you are accepted in the beloved. Amen? Amen. As he took our punishment, that's right. So you can never be punished twice. That's called double jeopardy. Even we, as sinful humans, know that that's wrong. He can't punish two people for the same thing. Okay? Amen. Jesus is so good. And it says two places in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, He himself, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins, not only ours, but the whole world also. God poured out on him the wrath he had against all. And now God wants us to go around and tell everybody, you're free. God's not angry with you anymore about your sin. So please accept the gospel. Believe the gospel. Be reconciled to God. And then in chapter 4, verse 10, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So what does this have to do with the mercy seat? Because as I'm thinking, the mercy seat is not where the lamb was killed, was it? Where was the lamb killed in the tabernacle? At the altar, outside the tabernacle, right? Okay. Well, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 5, go with me here. It says, and above it, this, tab- this, uh, this mercy seat, uh, were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat, and in Greek, that is literally propitiatory. Of these things, we cannot now speak in detail. M- Hebrews tells us the name mercy seat actually is propitiation. That's the same word, the same word that we just read in John twice, 1 John 2 and 1 John 4, that Jesus became the propitiation. He says here, the word is propitiation. That's the the name of the mercy seat. It's the exact same word. So Jesus is the propitiation, but he is also the propitiatory. What is the difference? His blood pays the price for our sin. And that happened at the altar. But his blood also provides a testimony that the price was paid and that what he bought with his blood is real. His blood is laid out before God after it's been altered at the, offered at the altar. So God kills him at the altar, which is the cross, and then the blood is brought into God's presence. The blood is laid out before God, and God looks at it. And what do you think he thinks? 
Why is the blood brought in? It's for you. It's for your joy. It's for your peace. We'll see that in just a minute. In Romans 3.25, it says, For whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because he passed over the sins that were previously committed. God's grace is engaged when the blood is seen. Okay? God cannot help himself but respond with grace and mercy when the blood of his beloved seen is son is seen or placed before him. God will respond. If we could just, for a moment, imagine God's emotions when he thinks about his son and how he had to punish and beat and, and the wrath that he poured out on his son who didn't deserve it at all. He, he did nothing but obey his father. He did nothing but do his father's will. And so in that love, the father said, I love you, but I love these men, and so we're going to sacrifice you for these people, and I'm going to pour out all my wrath on you. When that blood is then presented before God at this mercy seat, God's emotions are stirred to such a level that we could never comprehend. He says, I will accept anyone who comes to me clothed in that blood. Anybody. When we enter his presence clothed in that blood, the only possible response from God is loving acceptance and grace. That's the opposite of what the enemy wants you to think. The enemy wants you to think you have to earn your way in and God says, Clothe yourself in the blood. Come in and ask for anything you want because I'll give it to you. Mercy and grace will be yours. Your sins are washed away by this blood and you're treated as if you have no sin. Isn't that great? Praise the Lord. The mercy seat is not the place where propitiation was made, but rather where it's presented before God and its value is seen in God's presence. The place of the violent propitiation was on the altar, wrath upon sin, but the place of peaceful propitiation resting is on the mercy seat. It's it, when we are, are able to abide in God's presence without fear or strain, you have taken the blood, you have applied it to yourself, and now you can abide in his presence. That's what it means to apply the propitiation, to take the blood from the altar and apply it to the mercy seat. Isn't that amazing? That's how we get this grace, by his blood. And it's not striving, it's not work, it's rest and peace. The innocent animal was killed for the guilty man at the altar. The blood of the lamb is spread up before God at the ark, at the mercy seat, in the person of Jesus. So, Jesus is the one, the one who bore our viol the violent wrath of God against our sin, but he's also the one that accommodates us into a perfectly peaceful and restful experience with him daily and access into the throne of God and the throne of his grace where we can find grace to help in time of need. That's what the goal is, coming into his presence, 
gaining grace. Do you notice there's no chairs in the whole tabernacle? But there is a seat. And in the Bible, seats speak of rest. God, he has a a seat here in the tabernacle. He sits there because the work has been done by Jesus that needed to be done. It speaks of resting. The seat teaches us that uh, the blood of Jesus creates a peaceful environment for us. And that's the only way that God can meet with his people. And many times in the Old Testament we see that would, they would come in here and they would meet with him at the, the, the ark and it says he would be sitting there and his glory would be seen right here at the place of propitiation. And so those Old Testament stories and this ark teach us that we get this benefit also. We can come into his presence at any time and the blood gives us peace. That's how it works. I'm going to read you a quote from Arthur Pink. It says, Many Christians never get beyond the fact, though a precious fact it is, that Christ's death has procured and secured their life. And even this, in the case of many, is not maintained. The reason for this is that we listen to so often to the dictates of our own evil hearts of unbelief, which tell us that self must have a hand in the work of salvation, must contribute something to it, if not works, then at least feelings. In other words, if I don't feel like coming into God's presence or I don't feel like he accepts me, then something is wrong and he doesn't accept me, so I'm going to just mope around a little bit more. Do you see how the enemy twisted that around? Your feelings don't matter about this situation. God poured, God's feelings matter. And God's poured out his feelings of wrath on Jesus. And then that blood you're clothed in and you can come into his presence and have what you need from him. Whether you feel like it or not. Because your feelings don't matter as much as his do. And his acceptance of you is not based on you at all. It's based on Christ and his blood. The devil wants us to fear God's presence, to work for God's approval, to place confidence in anything except the blood of Jesus Christ. He's going to try to distract you from his blood. He's going to try to destroy you. And he's going to just try to discourage you from putting your hope in the blood of Jesus. For he knows, the enemy knows this thing, that the moment a poor sinner will apply the blood of Jesus to himself, he is free, he is pure, he gains access to all the blessings of Christ. Let me say that one more time. The moment a poor sinner applies the blood to himself, he is free, he is pure, and he gains access to all the blessings of Christ. See, we poor sinners... We meet with God at the mercy seat. That's what this is designed for. It's a meeting place. That's what our our text said. There I will meet with them. And I will give them. Give is the language of grace. And so he will meet with us and he will give us. And we can stand at this meeting place with confidence and joy. With, With the trembling amazement of the value of the blood of the lamb freely given to us. Instead of, man, I I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if God's really going to meet my needs. 
It's a confident joy. God has met my needs. His blood is all that I need. It is sufficient. This propitiation of Jesus allows men to be forgiven and invited into fellowship with God. But it also allows God to be holy and retain his honor even though he accepts dirty, rotten sinners into his perfect presence. It's amazing the work that Jesus do, does. So what are we going to do today? Hebrews 10.19, we're going to end with this verse. Hebrews 10.19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And then skip down to verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled, which is the same word they used for the blood going into the Ark of the Covenant. It's amazing. From an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So we think, oh no, my conscience, see, I'm not, I'm not holy. No, no, no. The blood of Jesus fixes your conscience. Oh yeah, but you don't know what my body's done. I have gotten it on and it is evil. And he says, no, your body is cleansed by the blood of Christ. That's our lesson for today. The blood of Christ takes care of everything for us. The blood of Christ is worthy. The blood of Christ is sufficient. And that's why we can go into his presence. Even right now, we're going to sing a couple more songs and we're going to go into his presence. Come on up. We're going to enter his presence with thanksgiving, with joy and uh, You guys with me? This week, we're going to not let the enemy distract us from what Jesus has bought for us, what Jesus poured out his blood to give us. So let's pray. Would you guys all stand with me as we just begin worship? You don't have to stand the whole time, but um, let's just begin with the acceptance in our hearts. Father, we accept your word as being a word from you. God, that uh, Byron and Emily's uh, story just encourages us about the practical way your grace is being uh, applied and your blood is stretching into Ukraine and covering and, and purifying your own special people over there. And Father, for us here, your, your mercy seat, your propitiation, God, is so perfect. It is so sufficient and we can trust in nothing else. We give you all our glory. We rejoice in what you do for us. We cannot earn it ourselves. And Father, I pray for anyone in here who has never even known that their sin has been washed away, that today would be the day they call upon you. They surrender all to you and they say, you, are, you, you loved me first. You did this dying on the cross for me. And I accept it. I believe it. And I want to live my life receiving that grace every single day. I want to surrender my way in exchange for your way, my life in exchange for your life. Father, I pray that there would be many today in this room or listening online that that would call upon you in truth today. Jesus, we have nothing to bring before you except brokenness and sinfulness. And Father, we pray that you would take that and, and just wash us in the blood. Free us from condemnation. Cleanse our bodies. Make us right in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.